something that might make you ill. But that's not the point. The point is that under our constitutional system and under a, any uh, system that respects individual liberty, we leave it to the person to decide what's in their own best interest. That's right. And we regard that uh, choice as one that is legally protected because the government is basically instituted among us for the purpose of protecting our rights. And whenever it turns against us, as the Declaration teaches, well, that's, that's the time for trouble. That's the time for revolution. So this is not a slam dunk that these mandates are going to happen. Uh, it, isn't, it, is, it is not a slam dunk. They will happen. That is to say, he will promulgate an emergency temporary standard through OSHA. But will it survive? It's likely to be inundated with suits across the country. I would imagine that dozens, if not hundreds, of lawsuits will be filed against the administration the very day this uh, rule is promulgated. And I think that the administration is going to drown in a sea of litigation. I think it will be an extraordinarily costly and lengthy process as these things wind their way through the federal courts with conflicting judgments made in different courts across the country, ultimately decided by the Supreme Court. But it, one thing's for certain, George, this is not going to change one iota the trajectory of this disease in our country. Not at all. It's going to divide us. It's going to pit the vaccinated against the unvaccinated. It's going to encumber enterprise. It's going to hurt the economy. It's going to result in increased in unemployment. It's going to disrupt business. Uh, and it's going to harm individuals who are terminated from their jobs and are otherwise uh, um, adversely affected by this. All, all of it is unnecessary because in the end, it will have no effect whatsoever on the trajectory of this. Not only that, it's a highly politicized move, George. And the reason why I say that is, right off the bat, as he was speaking it to the public, he had already exempted the entire United States Post Office employees, all illegal immigrants into the country, the Congress and its staff, the White House and its staff, the federal courts and their staffs, all are exempt from this mandate. Why? Why did he do that? Yeah. Because because this is deep in insincerity, George. As I mentioned, this isn't going to change the trajectory of this one iota. The reason why I think he did this, I think he needed to pivot from the Afghanistan disaster. I think the administration was under so much heat from the public with people's disgust. Well, he said back in December of 2020 he would never mandate vaccines. Right. He said exactly the contrary. In fact, that was their official position. And... I think he got in hot water with this. Uh, there's a there's a supermajority of Democrats who support a mandate, and I think he needed to appeal to his base because they were really a good number of Democrats were disgusted with his Afghanistan withdrawal, how he did it, and I think he he did this as as a move to gain political uh, favor with his base to try to shore up his base. He did it in, in a most unfortunate way, however. I mean, even, even if he wanted to strongly encourage people to be vaccinated, the answer is, is simple. Don't treat people like uh, they're, they're ignorant. Uh, educate them, give them information, and explain to them your position. And fair information, them to talk too. To their doctors. This, this is what I don't get, John. 
COVID is up apparently 300% from a year ago. Yet nearly everyone is masked. Two thirds of the country apparently is vaccinated. How can it be up 300%? It's crazy. It is crazy. Here's what we're learning, George. We're learning that the vaccine is really a therapeutic. We're learning that about four months after it's administered and during that period of time, that it wanes in its in its effectiveness. And that will the, the rate with which it wanes will vary person to person. And we're also learning that uh, therapeutics like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine uh, are extraordinarily effective in uh, treating it. We're also learning that natural immunity is the best of all. The Israeli study shows us it's 13 times more effective than the vaccine itself in, in immune protection. Hold on for a second, Jonathan. We're at a break. We'll come back and talk more. I want to get into what other nations are doing with anything like this. And we'll take calls with you next hour. Do you have a photo that you think would interest the Coast to Coast audience? We're always on the hunt for unique and unusual images for our photo gallery. To submit your image, simply go to coasttocoastam.com and mouse over the media button on the upper navigation bar. Have stopped the administration of the vaccine in, in young people. They found the incidence of heart-related ailments excessive. They found the incidence of clotting and so forth. Uh, unacceptably high risks. We don't hear that. We don't hear about the 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 risks associated with it. Where is why isn't the government hunting down all the adverse events, trying diligently to find out what they are, what what the causative factors are, what aspects of human biology are interacting adversely with this vaccine, and asking us to remove from the vaccine pool those who are at, at high risk. Why isn't there this diligent effort? We have the highest incidence of adverse events associated with this vaccine, higher than every other vaccine combined. In addition, the adverse event reports through the VAERS system represent something like 1% of, of all adverse events. So it's, it's a fraction. That means that we have tens of thousands of people suffering adverse events from the vaccine. Well, I'm not saying to people they shouldn't have a right to be vaccinated. No, that's not. their choice. It's their choice. I'm, I'm in favor of individual freedom of choice. I'm in favor of the free flow of information. That's what our First Amendment stands for. That's what our Constitution stands for. But as I explained in my book, The Authoritarians, we've had this authoritarian movement. We've had in the bureaucracy growing for over 100 years, these people who have advocated control over the American population in order to pursue what they consider to be in our best interests. It's like what the president did in a speech in, in microcosm. He got up there. He's, he has this bias. He hates those who don't vaccinate. He thinks everybody's an idiot if they don't vaccinate. And he's insisting that they be vaccinated. Well, he's not a medical authority. He certainly is in trouble when, when it comes to spatial and temporal awareness issues. And he shouldn't be in the position of substituting himself for your physician. He shouldn't be in the position of substituting himself for your freedom of choice. You, you live your life every day with risks. You make choices about how to reduce those risks. How is this any different? It really isn't. As we're talking about it, you know, look at the number of people who are dying. It's horrible. Some people have this and it's extremely ravaging, but it's a very small percentage of the overall population. And it largely affects the elderly. Why aren't we focused on, on 
reducing the risks of the elderly. Why are we why are we masking kids in school? There's no evidence for that. Why are we closing schools? Why are we disall you know maintaining this virtual education environment, which is very fraught with little likelihood of success from the get go? Why are we doing that to kids? And here's something that's we- confusing, Jonathan. For every handful of doctors you have who are for the vaccine, you've got a handful of them who are against it. There's no there's 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 no middle middle ground here. How come? Because in an environment where you suppress the free flow of information and don't allow debate, you know, we have a, we have a big tech environment that censors every time someone dissents from the view that a vaccine is a good thing. Bingo, they're off the internet. Right. Well, we we can't and the government's certainly not encouraging debate, right? What we ought to have is a free flow of information and an open debate. And this is how you innovate. And this is how you come to consensus. You can never reach a consensus if you won't allow that debate to happen and the public to participate in it and testing to be done and a full panoply of options to be considered. It looks like the best way to deal with this is a therapeutic approach. It looks like we need to have that as the backbone so that when people who, you know, people who are vaccinated are having breakthrough infections and some of them are being hospitalized and then there are people who aren't vaccinated who are getting sick. You have this lie propagated by the federal government that, that, that this is a disease only of the unvaccinated. Well, that's not true. And they want the vaccinated to wear masks. The other thing is they want vaccinated people to wear the mask. That tells me it doesn't work that much. Right, that's exactly right. On the one hand, they're telling you, oh, the vaccine is the solution. On the other hand, they're telling you, well, if you're vaccinated, you've got to be careful because you might get something. I mean, the vice president just said something yesterday, which was we have to protect the vaccinated. What do you mean you have to protect the vaccinated? You've been telling us. Once you get to the vaccine, you're you're done. The president just ordered 100 million people in the workforce to be vaccinated. If the vaccine isn't the answer, why are you going to disrupt the entire economy and uh, cause people to lose jobs and and ruin their lives? Why are you going to do that in order to insist on vaccination if vaccination isn't the answer? Well, the reason is the answer is multifaceted. It's therapeutics, it's vaccines, and each person is different. And they need to go in and talk to their physician. I mean, each person has a different health profile. We shouldn't be treating everybody with a one-size-fits-all approach. And we ought to recognize that each person needs a tailored approach. This is a problem. It has solutions. It's not uh, a boogeyman. It's not a horror story. It's It's a virus. We shouldn't give up our rights for a virus. You mean to tell me we're going to allow a virus to defeat the United States? We've been defending liberty in the most heinous circumstances around the world and at home since our founding. Are we going to allow government to use the excuse of a virus to take away all of our civil liberties? As a constitutional lawyer, how would you handle this situation if somebody approached you and said, I want you to fight this? do it well i think we have to sue the government i believe there are going to be many many suits uh, following this uh, emergency temporary will be like stays yes there will be so declaratory judgment actions and injunctive relief actions to block the imposition of this and they're going to be uh, coming right and left because the number this is this is a dumb thing 
when you tell 100 million people without regard to their medical history, without regard to their uh, workplace environment, without regard to their options, that they must be vaccinated or must be tested every week. As we know, I mean, a lot of these people work from home right now. That's right. They're by themselves. Exactly. I mean, uh, does the mandate hold up for people who may work for a big company, but they work by themselves in their house? Yes. Still? I mean, we don't have the actual order yet, but the administration has made very clear that they want as many of these 100 million people compelled as possible. And so when you have people, they don't accept working from home as, as an excuse, which is ridiculous because there's no workplace hazard. There's no grave danger to the workplace or to other employees if someone's alone in their house working on a computer. In addition, what about people working outside? I mean, a whole bunch of people are working outside who fall under this category. And then what about all those people who already have natural immunity? I mean, there's no, this administration is blind to natural immunity. You ask Dr. Fauci about natural immunity, he looks dumbfounded. Of course he knows about natural immunity. There's so many studies on natural immunity, it's not even funny. The latest studies, the most advanced studies done in Israel, show that natural immunity affords a person 13 times the level of immune protection. I had that story last week, exactly. A natural immunized person is much stronger to fight this than somebody who even gets a vaccine. And here's the thing, for the vaccinated people, yeah, that was worthwhile getting vaccinated for a lot of people. A lot of people who are injured don't think so, but the ones who weren't injured or made it through, uh, they now have some immunity. Well, here's the story. They're lying to you about the Delta variant too, because almost all of the people who are vaccinated who get uh, the Delta variant may have mild symptoms or more significant symptoms, but a very few of those are going to be hospitalized. And here's the, here's the real story about this. Sooner or later, we're all going to have to uh, experience this coronavirus as we have every other coronavirus that circulates the world. If we, if we haven't already, Jonathan, I think all of us have been exposed somehow. It may well be. And here's here's the thing, George. That is not such a bad thing after all. And why? Because of this fulsome immunity. Everybody who gets this thing ends up either dead or has a fulsome immunity. The bad story is the first year of this. The good story is that over time, and if you talk to immunologists like I do, they all say, Jonathan, a year from now, this thing is going to be far less virulent than it is now. At the start of a new virus, it's virulent and it kills people. And as it goes through the world, it ends up becoming less virulent because that's the only way it can propagate itself. That's the only way it can remain. It can't kill its host forever. And so you end up with a less virulent virus anyway. Our, our, our effort ought to be focused on the realistic idea of protecting people and treating them as best we can, but allowing people with their own doctors to decide what treatment is best for them, not dictating from Washington, D.C., a one-size-fits-all mandate that everybody get vaccinated. If Joe Biden had his way, if he had the ability to stretch through some permutation of argument, a argument that every single person from from the day they were born to the day they died was vaccinated, I'm sure he would insist upon it. But that is not the answer. 
that is ridiculous that will cause far more injury than it will help people remember we've got a percentage of the population in worldwide three percent incidence of this disease well let's focus on the reality get rid of the histrionics let's focus on dealing with that and when it comes to the this ever-present argument hospitals are overrun that's simply not true but in instances where hospitals reach near full capacity in one small area that's not a, that's not the characteristic across the country and we can deal with that hold on jonathan we're at the top of the hour we're going to come back we'll chat more and open up the phone lines for you Never miss a detail on a show or a guest. Sign up for the Coast Zone email newsletter. Available for free at coasttocoastam.com. I mean, this is a betrayal. This is a betrayal as worse as any espionage. It's absolutely horrendous. And all of those who were involved with this should have resigned rather than participated in it. Rand Paul knows. He's got it. He does have it. He does have it. Hopefully he'll stick with it because he's a lone wolf out there fighting this variant. Let's take some calls. Let's start with Lance in Charlotte, North Carolina, east of the Rockies. Hi, Lance. Thanks for calling. Interesting question, John. Do they have any recourse? Well, it's a very interesting question. So it really depends upon the way in which your employer terminated you and your individual circumstances and all the, the basis for it. So let's say, for example, that uh, you have some basis for uh, an action against your employer. I mean, there's wrongful uh, uh, discharge grounds this can be brought. And if ultimately the court decisions are that this has no legal foundation and that those who were terminated during the period of time when the order was issued but before the court ruled uh, were wrongfully terminated, then you would have basis to sue for wrongful termination if your employer didn't rehire you. My, my suspicion is that employers are going to break down to, uh, basically in two, two ways. One way is total complicity in this, uh, and those that have uh, leadership that are already convinced that everybody ought to be vaccinated but haven't had uh, the willingness to impose that requirement are likely to, of course, follow the direction of the administration. But a very large number of employees, I suspect, 
are going to say this is impossible. First of all, how, what are they, imagine the cops. If you have to test everybody, remember there are two ways of going about this. One is the, the, the vaccination mandate, but if you don't follow the vaccination mandate, then you can still be employed as long as you are weekly tested for the virus, right? So you could remain employed, get weekly tested for the virus. Now, what disruption this is going to cause for the employer, because the employer is going to have to employ people to to, to perform the testing or or, a fit or or give them time off to go get it done. And then exactly, and then have records kept, which will undoubtedly have to be reported to the federal government, and then have risk managers employed to ensure that those records are properly kept. And then the employee is going to have rights to know how the tests were turned out. What about all these false tests? We have false positives. How are they going to deal with that? How are they going to know that it's a false positive? How are they going to assess that risk? They're going to have to expend a lot of money to do the testing. Then what about um, validation of, of vaccination? I mean, people can falsely assert that they were vaccinated. How much of a burden are you going to place on the employer to determine that indeed someone was vaccinated? Do you have, do you have to have an affidavit from a physician? Or you send in a copy of your card or something, your vaccination your card? card? Or how are you going to determine that the card is legitimate? How much pressure is the federal government going to place on these private companies? How, how far are they going to insinuate themselves into the operation of business? Because if you can determine who can be employed, then you run a business, right? So the federal government could end up effectively running businesses across the country with 100 people or more through this avenue. And so this is a hardship for far-sighted business owners. If they really understand the risks, I think they would object. So I do expect that many of them will sue. I think so. For the so. time being, there may be hardship experienced by those who are employed. Could be a class action suit, John. Yes. And there may be hardships experienced by those who are employed who will have to go through testing during this period. And that's unfortunate. But I think sooner or later, we're going to see redress from the courts. I don't know the ultimate outcome of this, but I do know this. There are so many arguments against this that stand on very solid legal grounds that, be, that in the end, this thing, rather than being a solid brick wall of enforcement, is going to be riddled with holes and is, is, is going to be largely useless. And even if you could implement it fully, it's still useless because, as I say, it's not going to change the trajectory of this disease one iota. The only thing that comes out of this is misery, hardship, economic dislocation. This is a brutal act of authoritarianism. This is a draconian dictatorship type of a thing. Where did this come from, too? Where did this come from? I mean, this comes from a president who said back in December of 2020, I am opposed to mandates. And now it's all over the place. What happened? The sad, the sad reality is that I don't think we, if we look carefully at what Joe Biden has said on any number of fronts, unfortunately, he, 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 he contradicts himself with some regularity. So it makes it difficult to trust what he says. By the way, he went off script to, today uh, with a White House uh, briefing, and the White House pulled the plug because they didn't want him to go off script.
So they pulled right. it. Yeah, it's it's he, he he is in many respects a empty suit filled by others, right? Unfortunately for us, we have a president that really is not there spatially or temporally, but he is willing to be the mouthpiece for some very radical people. And those people are in this instance demanding that your civil liberties be violated to insist upon this mandate even if you know if anybody with half a clue had studied this carefully enough unless they were authoritarians driven by that principally that political principle of control more than uh, a just outcome and that's what had to be here you would come to the conclusion on a fair basis that this isn't going to work has there ever been a past where government our government has mandated vaccines or anything like that to individuals never at the federal government never on that level not on this level not the entire nation all employee employers so 100 people or more never ever and in fact there's no police power in the federal government to do this the police power in the jacobson decision that dealt with first dealt with uh, mandatory vaccination is in the state context and there's a long history of judicial determinations that the reserved powers under the Constitution to the states uh, are, are those that include health and safety, the police power. But there's no general police power for the federal government. There is no constitutional power for the, for the president to do this. There's no constitutional power for Congress to do this. This is inherently legislative in its nature. And therefore, at a minimum, the president would have to seek a law through Congress to do this. But he has, this is a, a straight power grab where he's, he's throwing a fit and saying, I'm going to make you Americans adhere to my will. You will be vaccinated. He doesn't have that power. He can't. There's no disease in this world. That the president of the United States can tell everybody to line up and go and get a treatment for it. You can't do that. There's no power in our Constitution to compel. We already learned from the court, even in the Obamacare decision, that under the Commerce Clause, there's no power to compel people to enter the stream of interstate commerce. Well, will these companies get sued themselves individually if, you know, they compel somebody to get a vaccine and the person doesn't want to? Can that person sue his company? You bet. And, and for the very same reasons that this is an unlawful unconstitutional mandate and that the employer is violating their workplace rights because the employer is compelling them to uh, adhere to something that the employer has no power to, to compel them to do. And it constitutes a wrongful act of termination when they, when they force them out like this, when they say, look, you have to be tested once a week or vaccinated. Um, this is going to create, I mean, we, what we mess. already have economic problems that are tough in this country right now. He's just complicated them many fold. Huge, if this happens. Tammy in Portland, Oregon, let's get you in here before the break. Hi, Tammy. Hi, George. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Good. I've been listening since 91. I love this show. Well, right. thank you for your support. Thank you for you every night. Thank you. Hi, Mr. Uh, Jonathan. How are you doing? Just fine. Good to hear from you. Okay. I, I have a very um, profound question, but something that I really need to hear the answer to, if you may. All right. How can we go in there? Can we go in there and take him out and remove him immediately due to an emergency situation going on in the United States of America? 
I know that they've been wanting this to happen and this is why they are where they are, but can we do anything to get him out of there? Has he violated anything where you could get him out of office, Jonathan? Well, he certainly has abused his power. Um, and the question is whether it would be under the Constitution a high crime or misdemeanor. Which is impeachable. And which is impeachable. And I think he probably has committed, if we look at the panoply of everything he's done, for example, his, his knowing violation of the Constitution in the instance of the suspension of rent, um, we may we may find that he has committed crimes or that he has violated federal law or that he has violated knowingly, wittingly, or that he has violated the Constitution. But the, the categorization of high crimes and misdemeanors is a very uh, limited universe of crimes, essentially that he has taken actions that have prevented the operations of government. Now, you may be able to find that, um, but the bigger issue is what happens if he's if he's impeached then you have kamala harris becoming president what happens if she's impeached then you have the speaker of the house nancy pelosi becoming president the parade of horribles <laughs> from all of these alternatives you're likely to get the same policies you're likely to get more if not worse policies so our solution unfortunately is we are in a storm. We put this man in. We've got to take him out. But the way to take him out is through the electoral process and through changing the composition of the Congress of the United States. Or he backs Boston down and says, to do that. will he back down and say, I was wrong? The mandates are wrong, folks. I'm sorry. Well, the, the problem, Joe Biden, is that that's not part of his history. That's not his demeanor, is it? There's a combination, in my judgment, of ignorance and arrogance in Joe Biden that's very, very dangerous. And uh, he seems to have this uncanny ability to come down on the wrong side of almost every issue. And by wrong side, I mean the one that hurts America's interests the most. Jonathan, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and take final calls in just a moment here on Coast to Coast AM. Coast Insiders, the new version of the Coast to Coast AM app is now available for iPhone and now.